Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 311. Don't miss this episode. And I am your co-host and the guy who has a pretty good-looking food plot in the back of his pickup truck. And I'm your co-host, and the guy who's getting so frustrated with turkeys that he almost shot a deer today. <laughs> well, if you, <laughs> if you take my pickup truck hunting, I will guarantee that you will have a deer close enough <laughs> that you could probably kill it with a spear. What, what happened? Do you have just seeds back there? Did you spill all in the truck and it's growing? Man, you know how it goes. Anytime you're planning, you're going to end up with some seed in the back of your pickup truck. So I have no issue mentioning a brand name when it is a very good product. And so I'm going to do that right now. So at my property, I have very good luck planting Whitetail Institute's No Plow. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that that soil is just crap. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. hard to even call it soil. It's mainly rocks. Yeah. And so... What's I in the it, no-plow? What, what grows? Oh, uh, you know, I'll have to pull the, the bag and, and look at all the ingredients. But it's a blend. And okay. it has... I know it has some ryegrass in it, but as far as the other seeds in there i really couldn't tell you i know i get good results out of it on that really bad soil and the deer like it so you know for me that's good enough well they put some sort of inoculant on the seed and coat it with an inoculant was blue so friday afternoon i actually took off work early which was nice well needed yeah (laughs) It was a nice little break. I've not been able to do that in a long, long time. So 
I took off at about three o'clock, got down to my property about 345, jumped on the tractor. Oh, side note, if you guys ever run your diesel tractor out of fuel, you know how much of a pain in the rear end it is to bleed that fuel line to get that tractor running. If it's an older diesel, there's a great video on YouTube that is a hack on how to get it started without having to bleed the line out. So I, I get there. It takes me about 10 minutes to get the tractor started, including putting fuel in it. And I go ahead and run the bush hog, bush hog all my fields, back up to where my implements are parked, get the disc on, start disking. And I only disc up the two fields that I'm planning or planned on planning Friday afternoon. It's, you know, there's a hurricane at any time. Yeah. So I get those two fields disced. I pull the tractor where I normally park it, cut it off, get out, and I fill up my little bag spreader with seed. Well, of course, like I said, you know, you're not going to plant anything and not get seed in the back of your truck. So, you know, I have a little spillage there in the truck, and I get out, get all the seed spread, get back in the truck, drive back to Birmingham. That was Friday afternoon. It was about 6.15 when I seeded. So from 6.15 Saturday afternoon, it pretty well rained the entire time. You know, it would rain for several hours and then stop and then rain for several hours and stop. And it was just a really good, solid rain to where we didn't get a flash flood. Mm -hmm. Saturday afternoon at about four, Tammy and I decide to load up and go to Lowe's because that's where we spend a great deal of our time and a huge amount of our money these days. And we get to Lowe's and I drop the tailgate of the truck and the seed in the back of my truck has already germinated. Mm -hmm. So not even 24 hours after spilling the seed in my truck and it's starting to rain on it, the Man. seed was germinating. So Very impressive. Yes. So that was the end of day one. Day two, Sunday at about three or four o'clock, I'm going to Lowe's again, drop the tailgate, and I've now got roots on these seeds that are, I would say, close to a quarter of an inch long. Good Lord. Yeah. Day three, they're about three-eighths of an inch long, but now the sun is out midway through day three, and I believe I'm starting to lose my food plot, mm. but pretty impressed. Good blood. Pretty impressed with Whitetail Institute's no plow. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And I'm sure what you actually spread is popping if it got rained on immediately. And it is that easy to open up? Yeah. I would imagine the field out there looks like one of the chias. You know, a chia pet. You put the seed yeah. on there and it starts to sprout the first day. And, you know, two weeks you've got Obama's head full of hair. That's probably what my food plot looks like down there right now. But that was a pretty fun little experiment. And I haven't looked at it in the past couple of days. So I need to go look to see because it was sunny all day today and temperature cooled yeah. off a little bit. So that may help it, but it may be drying up pretty badly right now yeah. in the back of my truck. But Well, eventually you're going to have to get it out of there. So <laughs> Yeah, or I can just leave it and let the birds eat it out of there. Yeah, I guess that's true. So you almost stuck a deer today, huh? Yeah, these turkeys, I saw them Sunday morning. I've been hunting them really hard, and I can't. I hadn't seen them again. I thought they would come back to this cut bean field that they've been using on Sunday, and they hadn't come back. But really nice eight-point walked up and was sniffing my decoy at 15 yards, and I, I even changed arrows out of my turkey broadhead to a deer broadhead, and I was like, oh, man, I'm about to kill you. But then I just didn't. So just didn't feel right. He wasn't the right deer to kill, and I didn't really feel like pulling with it. And I just, I don't know. I can't blood trail him anyway, so I'm going to wait and get a deer in rifle season when I can just drop one and get my meat that way, I think is what I'm going to do. Yeah. But hopefully I'll find these turkeys soon. I'm ready to smack a fall gobbler, and it's tough. It's really hard when they're not gobbling. It makes it a lot more difficult in locating those birds. Yeah. But yeah. the good news is that we're only 170 days, 11 hours, 53 minutes, and 7 seconds from opening day of spring gobbling season in Tennessee. Less than six months. It's not bad. I'm ready to hear them gobble. 
<laughs> we're almost five months away in Alabama. We are 156 days, 12 hours, 21 minutes, and 45 seconds. Coming close, man. It's Tell going me. fast. I mean, before you know it, it's going to be Halloween. There we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year's. And next thing you know, January is going to be over. February is going to be here. I mean, it, it's just, it's going to happen. The yeah. the one thing that's really going to screw this up for me. Yeah, I knew we needed to talk about this. February mm. is going to be not live in Nashville. It is yeah. going to be a virtual convention. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to go. Nothing's going to compete with the real deal. No, no. So, I'm not, I don't know, I, I am like you, I don't know what to expect, so I, I'm having a hard time getting fired up about February, but I tell you what I am getting fired up about, besides turkey season obviously being not far away, is the show in Unicoi, Georgia, this January is going to happen. Oh man, well I'll have to make that one with you then. You definitely need to, that is a fun trip, and... I'm, I'm telling you, man, you're going to be in hog heaven. I like it. I like hog heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, in case you haven't heard, there is no convention for the NWTF in Nashville next year. Yep. That is big news. So sad we won't be able to see you guys at that, but make sure you make it out to Unicoi. It's your chance to get out there and do a similar deal. Yeah. A little bit smaller scale. Yeah, much smaller scale, but, you know, it's a much more, I hate to use the word intimate, because we're talking about turkey hunters yeah. and a, bu a bunch of guys. Yeah, it's just a closer, it just has such a good feel to it. You know, you feel like you're with a bunch of hunting buddies, and so it's awesome. If you guys yeah. have not been, you need to go, and it's about time to start looking at some hotel rooms up there by the way. Yeah, it's a good so, point. Anyway, it's, no, it's a show you don't want to miss. And speaking of missing... That's a topic. <laughs> it's a topic for today's show, but we don't have a story of you missing a fall bird. So that's good. Yet. <laughs> Yet. We're talking about you, not me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will probably after days on end of chasing these turkeys have a miss especially if it happens before shotgun season and i have to try it with a bow but we'll see i did however have a couple experiences in the spring with some missing i participated once and i hunted with three other people who missed mm -hmm. and so today we thought it would be an interesting show to play clips from those hunts shortened clips of the miss and, you know, a little bit leading up to it. And then decipher what could have happened. Why did we miss? You know, what factors led to missing? Because maybe that'll help somebody not miss next year. And sometimes you just miss. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. But you can always learn something from it. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. So let's talk about the first one. So let's just go in chronological order. We'll start with the first miss of the season, which... If you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you actually heard the whole hunt behind this one. And so we're going to play a clip repeating my hunt in Mississippi with my good buddy Andrew LaCicero. And we'll play a little bit of that clip and then we'll come back and talk about what happened. So here you go. Thank you. 
too far. How did I miss that? No way I just missed that. Okay, so I recall from that episode when we had Andrew on a little bit. Well, actually, I recall the entire hunt because I was there after having listened to the audio basically yeah. you're there yeah but pretty, pretty decent gobbling audio on that one yeah <laughs> yeah uh, definitely so what do you think the deal was with that so we're just gonna you know dive into the the original shot obviously the other five shots or whatever that rang out after the original one were at a moving target mm-hmm. at full speed running for his life through the woods so like you know People just miss in that case. <laughs> the first shot is the one where the bird should have been dead. And so what happened, the two gobblers flew down to our left across a creek, and the third gobbler had flown down and was coming to meet up with them. And he was crossing right to left in front of us. Andrew's going to shoot him. And so he tells me, you know, or I told him, I, one of us told the other person, I'm going to call, he's going to stop, and you shoot him. So what I believe happened in this instance, I called, you hear he gobbles right on top of me, and then Andrew shot. So what happened is the bird's neck is outstretched, gobbling, and starts to pull back, and Andrew shoots right in front of his face. And I believe that is the reason he missed. So my takeaway from this hunt would be don't try to shoot them mid-gobble. And because, A, that's kind of a shocking experience at 30 yards. Like, you know, that can right. kind of make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. So you're probably shaking a little more. Your adrenaline pumps even more. And the, the target, the head of the turkey, is moving. If you wait till he's not gobbling, you know, usually after they gobble, they'll look around for that hen that they just gobbled at. And then's when you can kill him. His head's outstretched. So yeah. that's kind of what I take away from that one. He, you know, and it's not his fault. I've done that before myself. And he was ready to shoot when the bird stopped when I called. And yeah, the bird stopped, but he also gobbled. And so I think it almost that gobble caused a reaction of a shot because it's just the moment was so heightened you know right and so i would think that would be what we could take away from that is don't try to shoot a bird mid gobble yeah i think that that's a big mistake shooting one while he's gobbling and you know i I kind of feel the same way about a strutting bird even though i have killed them in strut yeah it's just not my preferred yeah sometimes you have to (laughs) that's right like they won't come out of it yeah but i've missed one in mid gobble as well because you know i thought well that'd be cool to shoot him when his head's out you know his yeah. neck's outstretched and his head's out here in front of him and i mean i, I don't know i i just it's just a bad 
idea. Yeah, it's yeah. just not a good time to shoot, you know. The ideal situation is he's not in strut and his head is fully erect looking for the hen, in my opinion. And when he's gobbling, if you time it just right, yeah, his head's outstretched and you might get him. But if you're a second late, that head whips back into place and you shot right in front of him, you know. So yeah, that's what I took away from that one. And, you know, Andrew ended up having an awesome season. That hunt overall was fantastic. Regardless of the miss, it was a great experience. So he got to go hunt those birds again for a couple more mornings. So that was that was a cool part of that. Yeah. But moving from there, our next culprit is a guy that I took who has never killed a turkey. He's a good friend of mine named Ethan, and he called me about mid-turkey season in Tennessee and said, hey, you know, I've never killed one. I've been trying to go, and I've been hearing one every morning right here, and I want to kill him, but I don't really know, you know, I'm just sitting on the field with my decoy and calling, would you mind coming and helping me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm in, because kind of my rule for turkey season with people that want me to take them is I'd love to take you and call up birds, but you tell me where the turkey is. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to take you if you're you're wanting me to go put you on the birds I've spent years finding, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of always been my rule. And I mean, maybe it's selfish, maybe it's not, but that's just how I am. So if you have birds, you know, on your hunting lease or whatever, and you want me to take you, I'm, I'm ready to go. But that was the case here. So we'll play the audio from this hunt. He's never killed a turkey, and... I'll play it, and then we'll go into what we're seeing here. So here's a hunt with Ethan in the swamps of Tennessee. All right.
Okay, so first off, I'm going to tell you the bird is roosted over water. We're set up on the bank. It was flooded at this point. And before I turned the audio on, I tree called, and he just turns inside out on it. And when I turn the audio on, within, like, seconds, he pitches down and comes sailing straight to us. (laughs) Nice. And so at this point, Ethan is, like, he's freaking out pretty bad because... It, it was happening really fast. It, there wasn't much time for him to get adjusted to what's going on in the world. But Bird lands, and he's strutting at 35 yards, strutting back and forth, back and forth. And I guess I didn't realize it, but I think in Ethan's mind, he was waiting on me to tell him to shoot. And I was thinking, like, okay, he's just going to, you know, he's waiting until he gets a clear shot. He's going to shoot him. And when he first lit, I also couldn't see the bird, and he had approached another 15 yards, so I didn't know he was actually in gun range. But Ethan thought I was telling him when to shoot. I thought he's just going to shoot him, you know. And so that's, I think, problem one. If you take a new hunter, maybe discuss that beforehand. Like, are you wanting me, do you want me to tell you when you should shoot? Or, you know, you just shoot when you feel comfortable, you know, that kind of thing. So that may be a good thing to do when you take a new turkey hunter is discuss that before the hunt. And moving past that, <laughs> you hear in the audio, I was like, I finally was like, all right, you know, if you think you can kill him, you know, go ahead. Blue! <laughs> I mean, he was sitting there waiting on that trigger for any indication that it was time. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And so I think with this one, what, the biggest point is he was a nervous wreck, I think, because he had to, he was sitting there looking down his barrel at the turkey for five minutes or, you know, felt like five minutes, probably a minute, when he could have been shooting. And so I think his nerves got the best of him there. And he had not patterned his shotgun. He had bought some shells, and he had never shot it before. So I don't know if he's patterned it yet, but that's never a good idea. And I yeah. think that combo is why that bird was missed. Nerves were really high. We hadn't discussed who was calling the shot kind of thing. And the gun had not been patterned with those shells. And so he missed clean as a whistle. That bird flew off and was completely fine to live many another day. But he may have moved places after that encounter. You know, those catch and release turkey hunts are just, they're awesome. They're awesome. Especially when you're not the one who missed. It's a lot better. <laughs> And I and I need to retrace my steps a little bit here because they're awesome when they're not out of state in a yeah, state you that's... haven't been to where you're trying to get your super slam. Yeah, that those are the worst, absolute yeah. worst. Yeah, which actually leads into our next hunt. <laughs> hey, that was a good segue, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't even think you meant to do that, but we're gonna take you to New Hampshire next, uh-huh. and this hunt. So, New Hampshire, this is morning one that we're hunting in New Hampshire. I'm with my buddy John, who you guys heard on the show from our Florida hunt. He Mm -hmm. went with us to the Northeast. I killed my New Hampshire bird with no audio, but I killed one that morning around 9 o'clock. And John, actually, it was was 10.30 when I killed that bird. And New Hampshire closes at noon. You cannot hunt past noon. So, Mm -hmm. I shot mine and John still had not had his bird. And so I was like, look, man, we got an hour and a half. Let's go to er this place I was earlier, and I heard two birds gobble there and see if we can relocate them. They had hens early and see if we can find them. And so we moved places. We're just prospecting, walking and calling and walking and calling, acting like a couple turkeys in the woods, and we strike them. And uh, they hit it hard. And so we moved down, I call again, and they hit it, and they're already halfway to us. And so I'm like, John, get set up. I'm going to sit behind you here. You run up there and set up a little bit closer, and let's see what happens, you know. And so that's where this audio picks up. I'm 30 yards behind John. He's in front of me, and that's where we'll pick up right here in New Hampshire. Got one hammering. About to get John's, I hope.
What? Oh, crap. Cameron, they were, by the time you, when we said to move across that tree, they closed the distance so much. I heard them when they gobbled. I heard them. So could you see those birds? I never saw them. Huh. But, you know, there's a, being the caller in that kind of situation is a lot of fun. And, you know, you get the excitement of the hunt and the bird coming in and just not knowing when that shot is going to happen is exciting yeah. in and of itself and nerve wracking because you're like, shoot, come on, shoot, come on, birds. Yeah. It can happen. They've got to be in range. He's got to be able to see them. Why hadn't he shot? Come on and shoot. And then on a hunt like that, you hear the boom and you think, all right, that's good news. That's a good yeah. sound. Then you get up there. <laughs> <laughs> or I know you've been on these too because, well, you've called in enough birds for people to have been on one of these where you hear the boom and you think, heck yeah, boom, mm-hmm. boom. And you go, oh, oh no. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've, especially like you said earlier, on an out-of-state hunt, it's that much more painful. And when you have a friend who you know what they're going through with that kind of pain, it, it that just kills you when you know that they missed, you know? Oh, yeah. And it just is awful. So what happened here, the birds came up, I could hear them walking in the leaves. So I'm like, my gosh, shoot them. Well, what happened, John sat against a fallen, gigantic fallen tree. And he's sitting with his back against it, expecting him to come from his, we'll say his three o'clock, and the tree is at his nine o'clock, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the birds came up from on the other side of the big tree. He said he literally could see their feet under the (laughs) tree walking next to him at like two yards. (laughs) They were that close. Because I was sitting back there like, I could hear him walking. And I'm 30 yards behind John. And I'm I'm like, holy crap, dude. Shoot him. Well, they came around the end of the tree and he said the gobbler's head comes out three to five yards maybe from his gun barrel and looks straight at him and turns to run off and he tried to shoot him and missed yeah so you're shooting a rifle at that you know at that distance anyway plus the bird is spooked so his head's jerking you know oh yeah and so anyway he said it was three big long beards they just got too close so my takeaway for why a miss happened here is the setup I think, and he said the same thing after he missed. He needed, he should have gotten either on the other side of that tree or just gotten past it to where it wouldn't have been in play. Yeah. And it's hard to describe the situation, but he put it to where if the turkeys are at 12 o'clock, if they went from 12 to 9, then he's not going to be able to shoot because they're behind the tree for a good while. Mm-hmm. But if they had gone 12 to 3 side, he could have killed them easily but you're putting it at a 50-50 chance there, you know? Yeah. And so he he even said that himself. I'm not saying, you know, wow, John, you know, I can't believe you did that. I've done that plenty. Everybody's done that. I'm just pointing out that's why this miss occurred was the setup just was not correct. So when setting up, when he gets to 40 yards, you need to be able to kill it. <laughs> Absolutely. If at all possible. Yeah. You know, from anywhere from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock in front of you, that whole half moon, you should be able to kill 40 yards. That needs to be the goal. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, for most of us, that's kind of our target range. And, yeah, I mean, look, we all love being 6, 8, 10 feet away from them. But it does not take much to spook them at that point in time. And... If you're in a position to shoot, it does not take much to miss them at that distance, as you already know. But yeah, yeah. and and that's why typically if I have a shot, I'm not waiting. I, I don't I have no reason to let that bird get 20 yards or no. 15 or 10 yards away. That's no. just asking for a miss on my part. Yeah, the, the only reason I wait is to get him out of strut or wait till he gets past an obstruction where I could move my gun or something, you know. Mm-hmm. If I have a clean, clear shot, I'm not waiting. <laughs> yeah, 
and that's just how it is. So next, yeah. after that miss, John ended up not getting a New Hampshire turkey. He actually ended up missing another one later in the trip, so he was sick over New Hampshire, although we had a blast there. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was in Vermont and found a turkey that had been very heavily pressured. He'd been shot at twice while I was hunting him by other people, so I know he was getting pressured pretty good. <laughs> yep. But he was a resilient bird. He roosted in the same tree every night, no matter who shot at him. And <laughs> he, I, I, I will give it to him. That turkey had a pair on him. And he, <laughs> he is charmed. That turkey will live forever. Uh, my brother called him Old Ironsides because he's probably got more lead stuck in his feathers than you could possibly imagine. But I hunted him on my last day in Vermont in the snow. It poured snow. And I had found everybody that hunted this turkey came uphill of him. Everybody. There was mm -hmm. a trail, a nice easy trail. There were two nice trails to walk up there. Everybody came in up uphill of him. Every morning, unlike most turkeys, he would pitch down the mountain and land at the bottom. And then everybody trying to call him back towards his roost area. So the last morning I thought, I'm getting below this turkey. That's Nobody's coming in from that side. You got to walk across the swamp. I'm going to get wet. It's snowing. Nobody's yeah. coming from that way, but the turkey knows, and he's been conditioned to not go uphill because everybody and their mom's shooting at him when he goes up there. Yeah. So pretty easy decision on the turkey's part. I don't know what he does to this day because now he's been shot at from every direction possible. But <laughs> he I just flies around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he just from his like tree. A he buzzard. just he just it. circles. <laughs> yeah, like a like a buzzard until he gets to the ground. Yeah, no. He so I set up on him below him and did one tree cluck. I mean that was it and then I just didn't make another sound for the entirety of this audio. And I'm not going to play the whole thing, but this is about an hour long of me sitting in the dark cuz I got right in on him and I won't play the whole thing. I'll play a couple tree gobbles and then let you hear the ending of it. But I sat there from 4.30 a.m. until it finally got light. I froze to death. And then this happened after that. So here's a clip from Vermont.
Okay. Talk to me. So I whipped. And I'm telling you, when you're turkey hunting and you have a gut feeling, act on it because it's probably correct. And so what happened, it was snowing so much that at one point, and he had already gobbled, so I know I'm right under him. He's 55 yards in the tree. Yeah. I can't see him, but I feel like he could see me, but, you know, if I moved or something. And he's gobbling in the tree, and I could, every now and then I could see him come in and out of strut, but I couldn't really see him, like, you know, I couldn't just see him outright. I could only see him when he was moving. Mm -hmm. And I noticed... 20 minutes before this bird ever flew down that my gun snow had built up on the rail and was constantly building on the rail of the gun. And I looked at it and I thought, Hmm, if I don't get rid of that, I'm not going to be able to see the bead on the end of my gun. And I mm -hmm. truly thought this thought 30 minutes before anything else happened. And for some reason, and I said, and I thought about it, I thought I need to get this snow off the gun. And then I thought, no, you know, when he flies down, I'll wipe it off real quick, and then I can kill him. You know? Wrong. Hmm. Bird flies down 20 yards from me. Yeah. <laughs> Behind a rock that... And so I swing to the right side of the rock in the direction he flew because the hen was over there. She flew down first, and then here he comes and lands. Like, I should have just shot him out of the air, although I probably missed. But he lands 20 yards from me behind this big boulder. I point to the right side of the boulder where the hen had gone past and I'm ready to kill him as soon as he walks out. But then I look snow on the gun barrel. I'm like, mm -hmm. crap. Well, then he pops out to the left of the boulder at about seven yards. Hmm. And I'm wearing normal camo in a world of white at this point. Yeah. So pretty easy to pick out the guy sitting there with a the gun. So he looks at me and just is like, Boop. And starts trotting. So I turn, boom, he keeps running. He starts clucking even louder, boom, he takes out, starts flying, boom, not a feather scratched on this bird. And so I was really depressed about it. And I was very down about it. But, you know, if I had wiped my gun barrel off, I still may have missed because this turkey was charmed and he's, it, he's not destined to die yet. It wasn't his appointed time. But I've killed a lot of turkeys running because I've shot running and flying animals my whole life. I'm pretty accustomed to it, and I usually do really well with it. And I think had I had my gun barrel wiped off, I would have probably killed that bird. But who will, you know, I'll never know. But I will say with the bird moving and not being able to see my bead, it made it almost impossible because you have to be precise with that bead at that point, put a lead and everything. Yeah. So what made this miss happen was I think I was too close to the roost and I didn't follow my instinct that I thought you need to get rid of the snow now. And I thought I'll wait when he flies down, I'll have time to do it. And that was, that was the mistake right there that cost me that bird. Luckily, an hour later, I was standing over a different gobbler. So Vermont had quite the mix of emotions for me, but that, <laughs> that miss was sickening because I had hunted that bird for three days, and I really wanted him. I, I know he probably had some hooks on him. How and many times did you see that bird get missed other than your shots? Including mine, I saw him get missed three times in three days he got shot at every morning that i hunted <laughs> so and when I, cameron tells you the bird is charmed now you have an idea of what he means this bird is charmed without a doubt he got shot at i mean he got that turkey got shot at and the guy who shot at him the second time i went and talked to him and he said he had heard him get shot at two to three times the week before he, he said, it, it, like, apparently that turkey was known in that little community because they, everybody had shot at it. <laughs> and he would still roost in the same tree every night. Uh, he's just toying with Hunter's emotions. He, unbelievable. But anyway, that was what happened there. I Honestly, I hope that turkey's, you know, I know he's still alive and he's probably going to make it to old age, I, I might go back in two or three years when he's really old and he'll probably still be in that tree. Have you given any thought to maybe slipping up there now? 
doing a fall hunt and just whacking him. Just right out of the tree. <laughs> but I'd shoot and miss. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> He's charmed. That turkey was, that's what my old mentor who taught me a lot about turkey hunting growing up, the guy who took me, that's the word he used for it. And that's what he uses. He that's what he's told me about several turkeys. He said, you know, they're just charmed. They there's always that bird where you know, you got him dead to rights and a deer runs through and blows him out of there, or you got him dead to rights and your gun misfires. There's always those ones that they're just not appointed to die at that time. Yeah. And that was what happened with him. That one was not appointed to die in the first couple of weeks of the season because everybody and their mom was shooting at him. So, but I I want to throw a suggestion out there and it may not be a very popular suggestion with some of the listeners but I want to explain it after I throw it out there because there's a huge huge condition or stipulation that's going to go along with what I'm going to say body shoot at that kind of a distance yeah at six five six eight yards ten yards if you're shooting TSS or Longbeard XR or heavy shot, a body shot, you're going to roll that turkey. You're going to have an opportunity at a follow-up shot. And yeah, you're going to be picking pellets out of the breast and the legs and the thighs. But you would have marked New Hampshire off your list a few hours earlier. Yeah. Or an hour earlier. I've body shot turkeys before. And 90% of your pellets, when you breast, when you open up his skin, they're going to just fall right out. They don't even penetrate the meat, you know? <laughs> well, that's because you're shooting long period XR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, we're not going to go into that because I don't want to give the impression we're talking bad about a very, very good shotgun shell because we're not. No, it's just an inside swear. joke between me and Cameron. Yeah, to, to specify, I had a person reach out telling me that XRs bounce off of turkeys. They don't actually penetrate the bird, even yeah. though I've killed no telling how many with them. But that's beside the point. Yeah, well, that's my suggestion on a bird that's close up. And I've got to say, you know, that I have not really done that until the past couple of years two or three years and you're just shooting at such a small target anyway when you're shooting at the head or neck or waddles but your pattern on these shotgun shells today is just so ridiculously tight yeah i mean you just got to be off in an inch and a half and the bird's gone you know then you you end up taking a body shot at the bird as he's flying off anyway yep and then and that's that's at 40 yards yeah so why not go ahead take your body shot solid right in the wing area and the bird's going down again he might get up so you need to be ready for a follow-up shot but you're gonna have time so you know it's not gonna make some people happy and you know it i can't really say it i was gonna say if I was hunting at home, I probably wouldn't try that. You know, I'll probably just take a headshot, and if I miss, I miss, and take another shot at him running through the woods. But I can't say that because I have now kind of conditioned myself to think at that distance, body shot. Yeah, well, that's probably a, that's a good good idea. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a solid idea. I, I body shot one turkey that was very close so far, and it stoned him, you know. If you yeah. break his wings and put enough pellets in him, he's he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can get on him. Yeah. Break a leg bone, break a thigh bone, and... Yeah. You got just, meat. Yeah. They're just not going anywhere. Yeah. But anyway, we all miss. I hope this week's episode helps somebody with some ideas on, you know, when the shot happens, take these things that I've talked about and that we've heard and discussed and take those into account before they ever come up so that you don't make these mistakes and when you miss it's just part of it you're gonna miss turkeys (laughs) well and there's uh, you know we've talked about this a thousand times i've certainly missed my share of them it's going to happen we're going to kick ourselves in the rear ends about it it's just human nature you're going to replay it in your head a thousand times over but you cannot dismiss the fact that you get to hunt that turkey again. And he's a little bit wiser. Yeah, that's true. So it, it makes it fun. If it's on your own farm or something, it it's, can be really fun. Yeah. Or you can 
miss him and pass him on to a buddy if you really don't like that hunting buddy or he's having a uh, you know the kind of year where he thinks he can kill any bird around but i gotta just throw this out there you got to be careful about who you pass a bird off to because i've had several passed off to me after they've been missed the afternoon before they were passed off to me and i toted turkeys out so you would be a very deadly guy with the style you hunt on turkeys that are skeptical i'll, I'll say that because you've hunted Alabama and you know to be, you know, you know how to kill turkeys being soft with them. Yeah. So I think you would be a, you would be a good guy to call if I missed a turkey and needed someone to come help me kill him to swap tactics. Cause I think you would be the guy I would call. Well, it's fun to me. Yeah. Well, and plus after you miss him, then it would really be good you know, after that. They've seen everything at, at that point in time. Yeah. That bird would be darn near impossible to kill. Yeah. So, well, that was cool, man. I I enjoyed that. You know, I just I enjoy the stories. I enjoy everything about it, just like everybody else that listens to the show. So that was a fun episode, and it's something that we all do. Something we have to pick ourselves up off the ground after we do it, clean ourselves off, and get right back after it again. You know, it's it's just not the end of the turkey season for us. Yeah. You know, so. I appreciate you sharing those hunts. Absolutely. I hope they helped somebody and hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I think it I think it was a good one. It was. So we have a joint favor of the week this week. Yep. The joint favor of the week is Cameron and I have a little idea that we want to throw out there to you guys. And I got this idea from a couple of guys that do a mortgage industry video every single day and every so often it's about once a week with these guys they do a spotlight episode and so you know i guess we have to be a little bit more clear in using the term spotlight when we're talking about a hunting podcast but what cameron and i want to try and now it's going to take participation by you guys listening to the show we want to do a listener spotlight show Mm-hmm. And we want to maybe do one per quarter. And the listener spotlight show can be, if you want to nominate yourself to be on the show, that's great. We have no issue in that whatsoever. If you want to nominate a friend or family member to come on the show and let us interview them, then that's great as well. But what I'm thinking is, you know, if you know of someone who has a great story to share, a funny story to share, someone who's doing some really good things in the hunting industry, hunting community, primarily in the turkey hunting community, those are people we'd like to talk to, people we'd like to interview. If somebody's just finished their Super Slam and they want to come on and share some of their experiences about the Super Slam with us, or if they finish their Grand Slam, their first Grand Slam, or maybe did a single season, You know, those are people that we would like to interview. We get a lot of really good professional hunters on this show. Guys that have forgotten more than I'll ever know about turkey hunting. But Cameron and I also know that some of the best turkey hunters in the country are you guys listening to this show. Absolutely. If you've listened to this show, you're probably one of the top ones for sure. And (laughs) that's true. And... We also know that there are a lot of you guys who listen to this show who are fantastic storytellers as well. Yeah. So if you know someone like that, really good turkey hunter, really good storyteller, nominate that person to come on and be our first listener spotlight episode. Perfect. And they can do that by either reaching out to Cameron on social media and we'll let him give all of his info. Or, I'm going to say this, don't reach out to me on social media. Because I am really not on social media right now. But you can email me, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. And throw somebody's name in the ring. Throw your own name in the ring. And we'll draw one person out. We'll probably do, you know, just some quick interviews or that kind of thing. Just to kind of figure out who we want to feature first. And just because the person you throw out there 
tomorrow, so to speak, is not the first person that we interview for the listener spotlight show. That doesn't mean that that person won't get interviewed. So keep them coming. You know, if you've got one or two people, make that suggestion. But Cameron, tell them how they can reach out to you with a suggestion. If you're on Facebook, you can look up Cameron Weddington and send me a message there. Or on Instagram, I'm probably most active on Instagram. It's the Gobfather, G-O-B-F-A-T-H-E-R 49, the Gobfather 49. And you can reach out there and send me a direct message and make suggestions. Tell me who it is and how to contact them if they are drawn. And we'll get them on the show or get you on the show. Feel free to suggest yourself. If you think you got something good to tell people, please reach out. What do you say... We give a little prize to, or maybe we should say a gift, to the person who nominates the the first listener for our Listener Spotlight episode. I like it. All right, let me rephrase that. What do you say we give a little gift to the person who nominates a listener for the Listener Spotlight show that we choose for our first episode? So... Let's say I nominate my dad and my dad was chosen to be on the first episode, then I would get a gift. Yeah. Does that sound cool? Sounds good to me. I like it. Okay. So let's do that. That'll be fun. Sweet. And it, and that'll be our part for you guys a little bit. That'll be our favor of the week as well. That's a dual purpose. Yeah. So awesome. Sweet. We we've thrown a lot of stuff out there in this episode. So let's wrap this thing up. Let everybody get on with their week. What do you say? Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.